Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. You're listening to episode 262. I'm your host, Greg. We have a great episode tonight. So we are coming up on All-Star Break, and I thought I would do kind of like a gathering of the podcasts, which I thought would be cool and do kind of a roundtable, look back at the season, look forward to what's coming up, answer some questions. But tonight we have Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley from the Lockdown Red Wings podcast, and we have Daniela Bruce, who's now like everything Red Wings. I'm going to call her Daniela Bruce from the Red and White Authority now. Uh, to fit the kind of podcast uh, realm there. But how are you guys doing tonight? How's it going? Doing great, man. Excited to do this. It's been a while since we've done a, a crossover. I think, what, last last summer uh, during the offseason we did one? That was a Yeah, lot before of fun. the season started. And this is our first time talking to Daniela on a podcast format, so we're pumped to do that as well. It's great talking to you, Daniela. Yeah, this is awesome. If I'm being honest about how I'm doing, not great after last night's football game, but this is exciting, and this is going to change my mood a little bit. A little pick. We have up. things to look forward to. We look forward to the Red Wings. We, we leave the past <laughs> behind us, and we look forward to the future. Scotty, how are you? Good, man. Good. Yeah, I'm. I'm technically on the clock with the news, by the way. So, like, if I get a phone call, I'll just mute myself, and I'll just be talking to no one. So, like, that <laughs> may happen in the next hour. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm doing great. Doing great. Busy, but great. So. So we have a lot to pack in, and Scotty, hopefully there is no absolutely breaking news that happens in the <laughs> yeah, middle of this. Right. Uh, by luck, for sure. But I think we're going to start by taking a look back at the season. So I want to kind of start with what you guys think has been working. So we saw a really hot start to the season. We saw one of the most abysmal Decembers that I think we've ever seen as Red Wings fans. Um, but January, they've just been an absolute tear. It has been a phenomenal January for the Red Wings. But I kind of want to go one by one and just think, like, what are your points to what is working? What's making this team go? What's getting them to the point that they're currently at? And I think we'll start with Brian. Well, I mean, number one reason why they're playing so well, right? And I hate to steal everybody's obvious answer, but he went to me first. Alex Lyon, right? I mean, we, among goalies who have had 1,000 minutes played in the NHL right now, he is third in save percentage with a 9-2-3 save percentage behind Connor Hellebuck. I mean... He's amongst the best of the best in the NHL right now. And I mean, I know Vili Husso is coming back uh, from injury. He got recalled from the AHL, Grand Rapids Griffins. But and then Derek Lalone has done this and said this on multiple occasions. But he rides the hot hand. 
So I foresee as long as Der- or Alex Lyon rather continues to play as well as he's playing, he's going to continue to be the netminder for the Detroit Red Wings for the nearby near future. Yeah, I have Alex Lyon um, and Danielle. I think we had done this last season that we, our midseason MVP is going to be probably a goalie for the second season in a <laughs> row. And I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse, but uh, Alex Lyon has 20 games played a 249 goals against a uh, 924 save percentage, the fourth best goalie in the league among goalies that have played 15 or more games. Yeah. And I had put out uh, during the season that we needed a goalie who could come in and steal a game, who could come in and make a big save for when the defense eventually had a lapse. And Alex Lyon uh, has been that guy. And it's just, it's great to see him come in, um, be super, super weird and just take the reins and, and run with the team. Um, but Daniela, what's been your kind of like high point your something you've picked out is just why the season is going right so far. Well, if you can look at every game that the Red Wings play well in, and obviously goaltending is a big part of that when they're riding these hot streaks, it's because they're getting solid goaltending. Maybe not so much at the beginning of the season. They were more so just outscoring some of the mistakes they were making at a certain point. But I think it's the commitment to playing defensively. And I think that the switch kind of happened in California on that West Coast trip. It, some Something clicked where they either found their chemistry a little bit more, things are more cohesive, but it's been the team defense. And if you look at games where they're allowing two, three goals, they're playing outstanding. And most most of the time they're going to win those games. And in the room, they've actually, and every team has this goal, right? It's kind of, it speaks for itself, but two or less, two or less. That's what they say. It's like, you if you give up two or less, you're going to win this game. You're going to get the goal sending. But of course, most teams think that way. But I think when you're actually getting the buy-in, some of the forwards, are contributing defensively a little bit more. And that has been the key because that month of December, granted, it's so hard to judge that month because they were down, what, like five or six of their top forwards for most of, of December. But the the team defense is there when they're playing well. Yeah, that's one thing that I think we kind of looked at and we had heard from people that Lalone's like, we really don't know what we have because of how many people were hurt. The David Perron suspension was another right. one. People like to write off David Perron as like this like locker room guy who has experience, but he's one of the best puck protectors I've seen in the league oh, yeah. right now. And when you miss that def- that defense aspect of David Perron mm-hmm. for that long of a stretch, you're going to give up more goals and there's going to be more turnover. So it's going to be a little bit more shaky, maybe not true representation of what the Red Wings actually are. But Scotty, where's your high point? Yeah, mine has really been depth scoring. Well, my first two are actually the two that have already been said for sure. I mean, line and defense have been fantastic. But um, depth scoring is something that uh, I think if that we were doing like biggest surprise, that would be mine. And so I guess it kind of is applicable here too. Like th- this is a, a team that last year we were all begging for goal scoring. And like that's such a, a – like simple thing in the game of hockey to like look at and say, you know what, we need more of this. But uh, goal scoring in general was such a big need. And this season, you, like they went out and they traded for Cat, and everybody was like, oh, there's goal scoring. And like Cat's been been good. He's going to go play, you know, in the all-star game. And like he's been finding got off to a fantastic start, but he's cooled off a lot. And, and like that's been documented by a lot of people. And the the reason why this team is still in like the top four or five in the league in goals scored a game, which is like a simple stat with all these advanced kind of numbers we have now. But, you know, maybe the most important still is because of the depth scoring down the sheet. Obviously, the cop Rasmussen Fisher line has been fantastic lately. But um, I mean, just across the board, like right, like JT Comfer has been a really solid addition, obviously. And uh, and obviously they've done a lot of shaking kind of in that top line as well. But yeah, I think for me, like, this team isn't sitting where it's at, obviously, without Lyon and without the team defense, but um, they needed to get more goal scoring from last year. And this year, not only did they get, you know, their hopefully top end goal score for year to years to come, they really addressed in the form of 11 free agents, a lot of depth scoring as well. Confirmed today, uh, Daniel Sprong, one of those, like probably I called him, I think, the best bottom six uh, player I in love the him. league right now. Uh, it has been confirmed today. There's a Red Wings season ticket holder event happening at LCA. And during uh, a signing, Daniel Sprong has confirmed that he has a group chat with all of the other players that he shares our dumb tweets in. So that is uh, that has been confirmed that Daniel Sprong does that. Um, But another thing I wanted to bring up is special teams. 
So special teams uh, power play currently sits at 12th at 22.83%. The PK sits at 13th at 80.89. But in the month of January, the power play is at 28.6%. And the penalty kill is at 82.8%. And I think that is another thing where we, we got worried in December when the power play cooled off pretty substantially and the PK cooled off pretty substantially. And they seem to have turned it around, and that's credit to Bob Bugner, that's credit to Alex Tange, for turning the, the special teams around and just trying to creep them back up. And they're in the top half of the league for both. So I think that's another thing that is, if that continues into the second half of the season, special teams is, is really going to catch fire. But Daniel, I think it's something about goal differential. Yeah, you know, it was more so of a point just to to kind of pay attention to it because I know a lot of people standings watch, right? Like I, I watch the standings probably more than I'd like to admit, okay? So I'm checking it same. all the time. <laughs> and I, it was the same for last year too. Like I, I was always checking just to see what everybody else is doing and what's going on and just paying attention to where the Red Wings are at goal differential wise because in the past, that has been a bad stat for the Red Wings, right? You look at it and you're like, whoa, you don't you don't want to look at that again. But right now, they're a plus 16 on the season. And if you look at last year, especially in the Eastern Conference, teams didn't make the playoffs if they had a negative goal differential. And you look at some of the teams that are right in the mix with the Red Wings right now, you've got Toronto in there, obviously. Let me pull it up so I can look at wild card exactly. So yeah, um, Tampa in there, plus 11. And then you've got Toronto, who's also a plus 16. So we're the same in New York, who's trailing right there is a minus 23. Pittsburgh is a plus 12. But just looking at the numbers, I like I'll predict right now that I feel like the Islanders are going to start to fall a little bit. Like you're going to see that even itself out as, as we move past the all-star break and everything. So it's just a point I wanted to watch that it hasn't been a good number for the Red Wings right now. It's a good number. And that's usually a good indication of the teams that are going to be in the playoff spots at the end. Yeah. Right now they sit at 174 or 174 goals, four through 49. At this point last season, they were at 147 goals scored. So like Scotty yeah. said, depth scoring way, way, way up. Um, and that's part of it. I mean, you're getting, like you said, guys like Sprong, guys like Comfer that go chip in. Michael Rasmussen's starting to heat back up mm -hmm. and play uh, a heavier game, which we've been requesting of him. Go out, use that body, use that size, hit some people, but also chip in offensively, which, which he's been able to do. So I think I want to go through some uh, impressive stats. And I'm going to start, I think, uh, so through 49 games in 2022-23, the Red Wings had 169 power play opportunities with 33 goals. This season, they have 184 power play opportunities and have converted on 42 of them. And I'm going to give my gold star to Lucas Raymond there, I think. Uh, the master at drawing penalties. Um, he just... He so good. uses the mantra of move your feet. That's what it is. You keep moving your feet. Something good is going to happen to you because he gets the puck. He's been a hound on the puck. He moves his feet, gets tripped up, gets the, uh, gets the power play for the Red Wings. And I think that's a big, uh, a big thing so far. One of my impressive points is just how many more power play opportunities we have had. And then now that it's starting to click, it's helping carry them forward. Um, but I know we're going to have a stump speech coming up pretty soon on impressive points. So Brian, uh, hop on your soapbox. Yeah. I mean, this is a, excuse me, a soapbox that I have popped on with lockdown red wings on multiple episodes the past couple of weeks. And I'm going to use your platform here with grind line to uh, do that as well. Um, Moritz cider and Jake Wolman and added to that as well have faced the toughest competition in the league by far. And when it comes to deployments, it, it's bar none. Uh, if you use Puck IQ and you use their wood money feature, it can help you help illustrate exactly, you know, how hard their deployments have been all season long. It has Moritz Sider at 49% of his time on the ice against opposing elite competition. And 49%, you might think, okay, well, that's a top, top D pairing. Of course, they're going to play a lot against uh, the top pairs or the top players on the other team. You compare that to Eric Cernak or Noah Dobson, or Pellick, who are like the next closest guys in the league when it comes to the amount of time spent on the ice against elite competition, it's 44%. A 5% difference in their deployment against elite competition. That's not a small amount. If you pull up that graph on Puck IQ, 
Wallman and especially Cider are far and away up above on the top of that graph because of the way they're utilized. And to me, that says a lot about the faith that this organization has in Moritz Cider in being their number one D-man. They trust him at, what, 22 years old to carry not just the weight of this team's defense, but heavier weight than any other defenseman in the league is currently getting. And then if you filter that same statistic by grit, because that's Puck IQ's nice way of saying fourth liners, um, he and Wallman by far have the fewest amount of minutes against the grit players in the NHL. So it doesn't, it's no surprise that they're getting the toughest matchups, but it is a huge surprise by how much they're getting the toughest matchups in the NHL out of any defenseman. And so, you know, there's been a lot of discourse on social media lately, which is why I have this so soapbox about Sider's regression. Um, in his rookie season, he spent about even 33%, I would say, at grit, middle of the pack, and elite competition. From there, he's just taken more and more responsibility on until this point this season, where he's at nearly, that 49, nearly 50% of his time on the ice against elite competition. He has been absolutely stellar every single game, especially as the season has rolled on. He got into a groove last year in the second half of the season, and he's done so again this uh, second half of the season. He was great against Vegas. Nicky Redmond calls it out. Everyone who's watching the games is calling out that he's been great. Don't trust what you're seeing on social media. Is my so soapbox when you see those player cards. He has been fantastic. I love advanced stats for a lot of reasons, right? Like you can mm -hmm. get a lot of information for, from them, but I don't love them for moments like this because you see that it, it, it's pretty simple and this can just lay it out there for everybody. If you look at the end of the game and you read the game summary and you look at everybody's ice time, your best players have the most ice time. Who always has the most ice time for the Red Wings? Moritz Sider. It's, it's pretty freaking simple. Like, he's great. He's, he's matching up, like you said, against the toughest matchups in the league. He's been phenomenal. And I understand everybody's concern offensively, but let me tell you, if you talk to Mo, he's, he's like, I'm, I think I'm playing great. He's, he's got the great attitude for it. He loves getting the tough matchups, and it's only going to make him even better than he already is in the long run. Bingo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Scott, do you want to give Mo some love? I mean, I guess, yeah. God, he's tired of hearing me talk about it. I mean, <laughs> it it's, it's wild, too, because, I mean, when you think back to, like, this time a year ago, January of last year was when they put Wallman with Mo for the first time, right? And so seeing that now we've had, like, about a calendar year of that pair together and seeing um, the, and I guess that's maybe giving love to, to Wallman, too. I guess maybe I broke the rules a little bit, but, like, both of them together have just been so... Uh, have just been so stellar and that pair has just like who would have ever thought right like when that trade happened and when we got Wallman and like obviously on draft night for cider like who would have ever thought that those two just would have made for like a, a truly like top end high end high usage top pair at the NHL and uh, and here we are it's uh, it's really really cool and, and to add on to that yeah Scotty Jake Wallman too let's not overlook what he's done you brought it up trade. Yeah. I tweeted this out or X'd it out a couple days ago that Jake Wallman, he, he had to play every remaining game with the Red Wings this season they acquired him or he would have became a G6 UFA. If yeah. they wanted to retain his RFA rights, they had to play him every single game after they attained him. They did. They signed him to a contract. I think he had surgery, came back halfway through the season and very quickly rose through the ranks to top pairing. Like That was a steal of all steals. For Steve Eiserman, when it comes to trade trade acquisitions, and now he's second in the league, just behind Moritz Sider, when it comes to defensive zone deployment, when it comes to the difficulties that he faces on a nightly basis. While Moritz Sider's at 49% against elite competition, Jake Wallman's at 46.3. That's still 2% higher than Eric Cernak, who's second with the Tampa Bay Lightning, who's second in the league when it comes to deployment against elite competition. He's been great, and he's top 10 in shot, shots blocked in all situations yeah. this season. Like Jake, what we give all this love to Moritz Sider because he's the prized possession, taken sixth overall, won the Calder Trophy. But Jake Wolman has been just as instrumental. And I'll, I'm sorry, I'm on my soapbox, Greg. I'm really, I apologize. But he scored his 10th goal of the season the other night against the Vegas Golden Knights. He, that is a new career high in goals for him. That it, he was the ninth. Cop later became the 10th player to have 10 plus goals with the Detroit Red Wings. Joe Valeno can get, get 10 next. He's at nine. Patrick Kane's going to get 10. He's at seven when he comes back to be healthy. 
You talk about depth scoring like Scotty was talking about earlier. You could have 12 10-plus goal scorers by the end of the season. The rest of the teams you're chasing in the Atlantic Division right now at max have six. Depth scoring is absolutely insane right now. And Jake Bowman's a big part of that while playing against some of the toughest competition in the league. You give Cider and Wallman some time against easier competition. Like, I, I mean, I'd love to see them get some minutes against like some of those gritty lines because you'll see them ball out. They have an incredible offensive upside to them too, but because they're so good defensively, that's how they're being used. So just, they, there's so much more to them still than we're seeing this season. And I just, I, I will hammer that home to the listeners every single time I get a microphone in front of me. Oh, we, we know. We're aware now. <laughs> yep, thank you. Didn't they also say that Jake Wallman has now the most uh, goals from a defenseman since Mike Green? Yes. Had 15, yeah. I think. 2016, 2017, Mike Green was the last Red Wings defenseman to hit 10 goals. Yeah, so it's, it's I mean, and Jake Wallman is number one in the league for sellies uh, per 60, I yeah. think. Uh, <laughs> best sellies in the league. But to Mo Sider's point, Mo Sider is playing for, uh, has played 46 minutes more than any other player on the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, per natural stat trick. And I actually found a cool uh, a cool stat while I was on here looking around. If you look at penalties drawn, uh, Lucas Raymond's drawn 24 penalties. The next highest is Dylan Larkin with 16. So it's uh, Lucas Raymond is a penalty draw machine. Danielle, you got anything else that's keeping this team rolling? Yeah, and I mean, it's not a super interesting stat because it's, it's a little bit of an obvious one, but I felt like I had to give Dylan Larkin his spot too because his season has been incredible. He's on an 11-game 11, 11 point streak right now. He's got, what, 24 goals on this? 22 goals on the season, excuse me, 24 assists. This is the fifth season in his career that he's hit 20-plus goals. And I think just the things that Dylan has been through uh, on the year and, and everything that, that's gone on for him and He's changed line mates a few times, but he always seems to be the motor for that. And I thought it was interesting when you look at his power play goals last year, he only had 16 power play goals total. He already has eight on the season this year. So I guess he's kind of in the, in that same range, but I think he's been scoring at such a high clip that we're going to see those points rise too. And he, he's been great. And I think we just have to give him his love too. Like I said, 11 game point streak right now, the captain's the motor. Yeah. 46 points in 43 games. And for the people who, Used to yell from the rooftops that Dylan Larkin's not a 1C. They're awfully quiet this season. <laughs> it was uh, not that long ago. It, it, no, it was It was right before the season started. Yeah. Really. If and Dylan no, Larkin was legitimately our your 2C on any team, if he was legitimately your number two center, you'd be a really, really good team. Like, that would be... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it'd be great to have Dylan Larkin as your 2C, honestly. That would, I would wonder what your 1C is. Right, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, like you said, he's the motor of this team. He's what's driving the team forward. The cat, literally the captain in, in every sense of the word. And it's been really good to see him just go out there. And and you talk about the Red Wings historically. I mean, historically recently not having game breakers. And I think Larkin is trending toward that game breaker status to where you, you know if you're down, he's going out there and putting 110% on the ice, laying everything out to go and try to get that game back. Uh, there's, I mean, Raymond's been doing kind of the same thing. And I think Raymond could eventually also enter that same conversation as guys who you double, triple shift just to try to get the game back. Cause you know, they can do it. Uh, but Scotty, what's your, uh, what's your interesting, uh, take of the season so far? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, we talked about it a little bit before we hopped on air too. Brian tried to steal it from me, but, um, <laughs> it was, I, I think it's, you know, fascinating. Daniela brought up the defense earlier and high danger shot attempts against it like that's something that at least Brian and I on, on lockdown wings have really been pointing out that in January it's been a massive massive step forward and in December it felt like it was uh something that they really struggled at and obviously just since Newsy has taken over really the defense has had its ups and its downs and we, we know the system he's trying to run and the execution of that has been uh maybe iffy at times but this season as a whole on Five on five high danger shots against the wings are the fifth lowest in the entire league with 83. The only teams ahead of them are the Oilers, the Panthers, the wild and the Kraken are like way ahead of everybody. They're like they have less than 75. The wild are second with 81. So like um, they have a pretty big gap there, but the wings being top five in high danger shot attempts against and like 
they're very high up there in most low danger given up, which again is like part of, I think that this system they're trying to, to, uh, to emulate is, you know, they, they, there's some faith in lion now. And, and I think that the, what they're trying to execute on a night to night basis is we're going to allow shots, right? Like their, their shot against totals are not low. They, they've, even, uh, I mean, when we played Edmonton, like that's a good example, but even lately, right? The last couple of weeks, it's, you know, 30, consistently 30, 30 plus shot attempts against, but the shot attempts you're going to get off are going to be those low danger shots. And uh, they are going to, at, at a minimum, defend the high danger and prevent the high danger opportunities. And, and they have done that really well, obviously in January, but um, uh, again, at even strength, top five on the season as a whole. For those shots against, they're currently fifth highest in the league at 32.43 shots against per game. Um, they're the eighth highest in blocked shots at 794. Yeah. 223 of those blocked shots come in January. And that's another Moritz Cider point. Moritz Cider blocks a ton of shots. Sure. That's the other part of it. So they do like to give up shots, but they also like to block shots at a fairly high rate. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. We've answered some questions already. Thanks to questions from Gabe. Uh, to talk about Ciders Analytics, Christian to talk about. Uh, no, Christian's going to have a, a Patrick Kane question, which we'll answer after the break. Uh, Eli also asked about um, Ciders Analytics. But we're going to take a quick break uh, for a word from DraftKings. Before we come back, we're going to take a look forward uh, at the season and start at, or answer the rest of the questions that we got coming in. So give us one minute. We'll be right back. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. And with guys like Debrinkit and Kane and Dylan Larkin piling up points, you always have good choices for bets on DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with code THPN. New customers bet just 5 bucks on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024. All rights reserved. And we're back. And we are going to take a look forward at the season. What do the Red Wings need to do to stay in this playoff hunt to squash the dreams of the Toronto Maple Leafs? Maybe what they're going to have to do with the trade deadline and the keys to the rest of the season. But I kind of want to start with what still needs work. And I think uh, we can go right off of what Scotty was saying, letting up all those shots per game, 32.43 shots against per game. I think my one point is that, and, and Daniela might have something to say about this, is the defense has tightened up, but it needs to now stay consistent. You have yep. trust in Lyon. You're, you're, you're banking on him to make some of those saves, but I think the defense needs to needs to keep the the level of uh, play they're doing right now because it has gotten better yeah you took the word right out of my mouth and the, it's consistency it's being able to do that on a night in night out basis which we've seen through the month of january and i think that's great with the exception of the dallas game but that's an example of what can happen if this team comes out flat and just for one period or they don't play at their best for a 10 minute stretch throughout a game they have to stay sharp and i know Derek alone says this a lot so it might be kind of beating the dead horse at this point, but it's, um, they're not that they're not good enough to have the, the off games. They can't go out there and have their B game and expect to be in the mix. And that's no knock to these guys. We're talking about how great they've been playing and it might be a little bit above what everybody expected right now, but if you're going to hold that, you have to make sure you're on your A game all the time. And that it, the key is consistency there, just being able to find something that works for them consistently. And I think the goaltending boost is definitely going to help. Brian, what do you got as a uh, what needs work so far or for the rest of the season? Well, we talk a lot about, you know, the depth scoring, right? We rant and rave about it. But one piece, one person I would like to see score a little bit more consistently, who's flown a little bit under the radar, I think, because the depth scoring has been so good, is Alex Dabrinkit. Uh, he's, what, 18 goals on the season now. He is second on the team. But when you traded for him, and thankfully because he kind of forced his way to Detroit, you didn't have to give up a ton for him. 
you were expecting maybe not a 40 goal score. He did that twice in uh, Chicago, but at least a 30 goal score. But he scored Scotty like what six goals since his. Yeah, I forget what nine, our no, stat was. And he's added goals. one to it, but it was like five since late November at even strength or something. Yeah. It, he since he scored nine goals in seven games at the start of the season. And then he has now scored nine since then. Uh, he scored most recently against Dallas. We were joking. We, we, we joke on Lockdown Red Wings. We do an episode about a player, and then immediately they turn it on. We did an episode about Andrew Kopp and how he hasn't been producing, and then he's been on a tear. Uh, and then the same thing happened with Alex Dabrinkit, where we were like, when will I, he score again? And then he scored that night. But, I mean, the consistency needs to be there with Alex Dabrinkit. He's getting a lot of shots on that, and his shooting percentage is low, way lower than it normally is for him. He's just kind of snake-bitten. And so I don't know what needs to change or if anything needs to change. Maybe he needs to just keep hammering, and then eventually the dams will break. Um, but this is a guy you brought in to be at least, you know, pair with Larkin as another 30 plus goal, goal scorer. And, uh, it's kind of been slow going for him. I, I still have faith, not given up, but I mean, if you can add 30 goals by Alex to on top of all the depth scoring you're already getting from the rest of this roster, you're looking at a team that is not just four lines deep, but also a threat in the top six as well. And that is a dangerous formula to defend against if you're another team, because either you're trying to match up all four lines against their four lines, or you're trying to make your matchups heavy against the top six. You can't do both unless you're double shifting your best guys all the time, and then you'll just get worn down. Do you need Alex to bring it to be Alex to bring it? If this team, you know, you want to make a deep push into the playoffs, assuming you get there. But right now, the trend's looking good. Danielle, do you think bumping Cat uh, back up to align with Larkin and Raymond is, is maybe the key to him there? For now, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see what move is made when Patrick Kane does return to the lineup because it kind of seemed like they had a little thing going where it's like Cat and Kane are going to play together, Larkin and Raymond are going to play together, and you, you're seeing obviously that's broken up right now without Kane. So I think it could help. We've seen a lot more chances with that line, and you can tell they're they're just a high flying offensive line when the three of them are out there together. Something's happening on the ice. So I, I think it could help, but I think it will be interesting now only one game until the break as we're talking right now, and that's against Ottawa. What will happen when Patrick Kane does come back? Yeah, that was a question from Christian on Twitter is does Kane slot back into that second line when he comes back? I think he does, and I, I think you still keep Alex Dabrinkit on the top with Larkin and Raymond. And with how, like you said, Andrew Kopp has been on a tear and he's been playing very well, not just defensively, which he normally does, but he, the offense has really picked up. Maybe you try a second line of an Andrew Kopp, uh, JT Comfer and Patrick Kane, and then you can play, a th you move David Perron down to a third line. And I think you, you have to try and maybe shake it up a little bit because you're right. If you could get 30 goals, I think we said 30 to 35 is what we wanted out of Alex to bring it for this season. And if he can hit that and what you need to do to make him hit that or help him hit that is play him with Larkin and Lucas Raymond because him and Larkin had inst pretty instant chemistry when they started playing and, and it's coming back. Like you said, he scored the other night. And I think, Brian, what we need to do is before every game, we just make a list. I'll men we'll mention half the list. You mentioned the other half and then everyone will have a great game. But I think uh, Kane, when he comes back, I think he does slot back on that second line. And I think you do see a little bit of a shakeup, but, uh, Scotty, what do you think we got to do to keep a uh, cat going? Yeah, well, I mean, for cat, yeah, like I, I, I do think to Daniela's point that the the navigation of him with Kane is going to be really interesting because I mean, like she said, like for a while, right? I mean, it it seemed, it seems still really like they're gonna kind of just be together forever, which is like adorable. <laughs> but and if it works, then you know that's great. But um, I, I you know, he he did make a off, lifetime he, movie out of it. <laughs> right, right. He did get off to uh, such a hot start at the beginning of the year, like unsustainably hot, to be fair. But um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I I think that I part of me just thinks that what Brian said is like kind of true. And it's like he's just going to have to keep like gripping and ripping and hope that like some of them just keep finding start finding the back of the net. I, I think uh, maybe a little bit is is snake bite, you know, which is kind of a cop out answer. But um, he, like he's getting shots off his, his, he's still getting plenty of shots off every night. It's not like he doesn't have attempts. So I don't know. I, I think, I, I think it'll be really interesting to see how, uh, how it looks after the all-star break though, for sure. Move the nets a foot to the left and he'll score so many more <laughs> right. goals because it seems like it's been a lot wider right off the post. So if they just shift the net a little bit, uh, I think it'll like do. that one corner, just add like a, yeah. 
like an a extension space, to that one. An corner. extension, yeah, exactly. Just yeah. extend the corner He's also a little been bit. Robbed quite a few times. Like yeah, absolutely. I can think of three instances of him just being absolutely robbed, like goaltender making a the bad save. Of Andre Vasilevsky save. Like, yeah, I think one. Andre Vasilevsky actually made one of them. Yes, right. Yeah, that was he did. Him, right? Yeah, <laughs> crazy. Yeah, it's not fair. I mean, Vasilevsky is not human, so like, I mean, that's a that's a gimme for him. Absurd. Uh, has anyone else got any point? What what else do we need to do to keep going forward? I think what I think it is is we're at a solid spot. Yeah. I think if you keep doing what you're doing and you win 19 of your remaining games, you're you're in. I mean, that's over 90. That's like 95, 96 points, I think, on the yeah. season. I think the cutoff uh, when I looked at Micah on Twitter in effective math, I think the cutoff for our division is 91.2 points. I don't know. The red line was overlapping. Was it 91.2, Brian? It was 91.1, and the Red Wings were projected at 91.2. Okay. So I think it's playoff hockey, baby. That's playoff hockey right there. Yeah. So I think that I think they can do it as long as they stay healthy, as long as the goaltending stays consistent, and they do just what they've done through January, continue to do that through the rest of the season. And I think they're in a really solid spot. Uh, when they come back from All-Star break, I don't think they play until February 10th, which is a stupid long break. And yeah, then immediately go to the West Coast right after that, yeah. Western Canada. Yeah, which I'm assuming will probably be the dad's trip. I don't know. I have not heard anything about. Yeah, that's your wheelhouse. Family, yeah, normally family it's West trip. Coast trips. Yeah, or they did it like a Nashville, Dallas one year too. So I that's don't know if there's, there's something there. Yeah, they did a, I don't know what they'll do for that. I haven't heard anything about it. It's actually a question I should probably ask. Yeah, because every I think if, I hear all the other teams are doing <laughs> Daniela, uh, write that down. Go ahead and uh, when is the father? If you're trip? a dad, do you want to go to Western Canada in February? No, like, is that the no, <laughs> no. Well, fishing or something. Do they switch it off year to year? Like, is this a mom's year or is this a don't they like switch it off too? No, they, the last one was dad's, but they did do mom. Yeah, so I guess if they do keep the rotation going, oh, okay. it would be a mom's trip. Yeah. Moms are not going to want to go to Western Canada in February. They definitely <laughs> going to Western Canada. Vancouver? Let's go. Okay, so I hear Vancouver's pretty sweet, and it's on my list of Vancouver places to go. Same. So I want to talk a little bit about trade deadline, because that's the other thing that's coming up after the All-Star break. It is like March 8th uh, is trade deadline, I believe, somewhere around there. And we had talked about it a little bit, and at this point, I think where we're at and how they've been playing, that it would be really hard for me to see Iserman as a seller. I don't see Iserman as a seller. I don't see him as a huge buyer. But I think the point that I had made with Ryan was if you could sell a couple pieces and improve the team from within by moving those pieces out so and recouping assets, then maybe that's the kind of move you make. So maybe you move a defenseman to bring in an Edvinson. And at that point, you're improving your defense and you're gaining assets at the same time. But I don't see there are people that are, are asking about players like uh, we've been apparently linked by Dave Pegnota to uh, Jakob Chikrin and Frankie Vitrano. Um, there people are talking about Elias Lindholm. And I don't think I don't see moves that big happening because I don't think we're jumping both feet into the fire to try and just push for a Stanley Cup right now. But I think the moves you can make would be from within to improve the team without having to expend capital just in case something happens and you need that capital. I actually don't hate Chikrin just because of age. And like, so to your point, I agree with you. And Brian and I had this conversation earlier last week as well, where like, if there was a, I, I think that buying is probably in the team's best interest. I certainly, unless it completely falls apart. Selling is not on the table. If they're like even relatively close to, like the postseason, but um, I, I think that now, if they are going to acquire talent, I, I agree with you. The talent that they would acquire would be people that you are confident are going to be assets for this team beyond this season, right? Like uh, to Trevor's your point, I, I 100% agree. I don't think this is a we're going to put all of our chips on 2024. Like that's that they have they. With all due respect, they were bad for far too long to make that an acceptable thing. We're like 2024 is all that matters, right? Like this is this is something that that you built and like the Iser plan was marketed as like this long-term sustainable product. And so 
Um, that's why like Chikrin doesn't that one kind of and like there's been a ton of, you know, like he says it's ridiculous. You know, the, obviously these two fan bases can't stand each other. There's plenty of back and forth there like that's its own kind of thing. But the, that one was was somewhat interesting to me just because he's still young enough where you could acquire him and you could have him on your blue line for years. Like that's not like a a, a, a rental necessarily. Um, and, and you have a lot of younger assets, right? Like you have, and they're not going to get rid of any of the top dogs, right? Like the Edvinson's not going anywhere. Like that kind of goes without saying like the, the high end, high end prospects, they're not going to part ways with for that same reason. They're looking for sustained success, but if they can in the margins, I guess this is really just a long way of saying what you just said, but like in the margins, right? Like if they are, going to bring someone in, it's going to be like, oh, you know, they they still have a lot of second round picks and third round picks. And like, those are good picks, but also you have a, a, a plethora of them. And like, you have a lot of kind of like B-level prospects, right? Who aren't like these blue chip slam dunks. But if you get an NHL, like proven NHL caliber player who's in their mid twenties, it can be on your team for the next four to seven years. Then like that's something and that's, you know, an extreme, I guess, amount of years, too. But even just beyond this year period, um, I think that that is are the people that they're looking to acquire. I, I agree with you that it's not going to be like an all in on this season thing. And I don't expect them to to really be players in unless it's really cheap. A lot of like more expensive rentals either. We have a spare 15 defensive prospects. Right. We, yeah. Exactly. That are never exactly. all going to make the Red Wings. Yeah, I, I'm kind of I, I kind of also have a slightly different perspective on things. I, I don't I like your idea, Greg, about the uh, uh, bringing making trades to free up space for Edward Edmondson and Albert Johansson. But I, I view it as this at this point. Um, and again, Scotty and I talked about it. We were both were kind of either they're going to stand pat or they're going to buy softly, a soft buy, because I think and you mentioned this, Greg. This team's not going to win the Stanley Cup this year. It's highly unlikely unless they go on an incredible run. I mean, nothing's impossible. Playoffs are the playoffs. We've seen eight seeds like the Kings go on to win we the saw Cup the Blues and win it all. It. Yeah, we saw the Blues. They were last place in January. They go, it's not impossible. But the way this team's constructed right now, like Scotty said, this team is building for consistency in the future. I think Iserman more than likely is going to want to see what this team has got the way it is now. And I think that trading pieces away to just allow Edmondson to play is isn't in the cards for this season because that's going to mess with the chemistry and the gelling that this roster already has. And trust me, I'm with you. I think that there's a without sounding too crass, there's a couple of defensive players I would I would want to see Edmondson up and I would be willing to move a couple of defensive players too. But I just think that uh, Iserman's interested in watching this team learn how to win while keeping the best prospects in the Grand Rapids Griffins as much as I hate it because I think Berrigan, I think Albert Johansson, and I think Simon Edmondson all deserve a spot in the NHL roster. But I think he wants them to learn how to play together and build that chemistry in the same system now that is being taught down there in the, with the Griffins now that Watson's out um, and learn how to play together and then come to the NHL level, kind of have that experience. Because I think if you throw Simon Edmondson, not, I think he'd do fine, but I think it'd be weird to send Edmondson to the NHL now while the team's trying to make a playoff push uh, where instead of doing it at the start of the season where he's allowed to make those crucial mistakes he needs to make to grow as a player. I think doing it now is a little late in the season. I think Eisenman's more or less going to probably stay pat um, when it comes to the trade deadline. If anything, if he's going to move a defenseman out, it's going to move to be able to bring in a better defenseman back in via trade, an NHL veteran with playoff experience. Um, I would kick the tires on Noah Hannafin, honestly, if I was looking at the Calgary Flames because he's 27 sure. years old. He's got he's making five million. He's going to be a UFA like Chickering. He kind of fits that window, but you're going to you're going to they're going to be asking for a ton in return. But yeah. like you said, Greg, there's a plethora of prospects. Yep. So if you're going to trade for somebody for me, it's not going to be a rental for one year. It's going to be somebody you think you can sign. Um, that's my long monologue. Sorry. <laughs> Chickering's knees still freak me out. I think that's the big thing. And if you were going for a yeah. younger defenseman, Noah Hannafin would be mine, too. Um, because I've seen, I mean, you've seen knee problems go sideways even after they've been repaired or even more. I mean, Robbie Fabry's knees, well, you do five prayers every time you see him take a hit um, because you're like, I hope his knees are okay. But Daniela, what would you be your trade dead starting today? If you had to do something, what would be your trade deadline strategy? Right now, it would be just to stand pat. The one move that I could see happening, and I know people 
people might come at me for this one, but it's because of his deal and his age and everything else is David Perron. Like just depending on what offers are on the table at that point and where the team is at. If this team is legitimately in a spot, David Perron's a huge playoff piece. And I, I don't think anything is, I don't think he's going anywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. But if there's a good enough deal on the table and the, the team's still kind of teetering around that wild card spot, I could see them trying to get something for him. If, if it's a good return for David Perron, but I'm with you guys. And it's, I just feel like all of these prospects that the Red Wings have right now in their system, there's still so many that it's a, a we don't exactly know what we have yet, right? So you have to be careful when you're getting ready to to deal them all away when you've worked so hard to collect mm-hmm. them. And like we said, we, we don't expect a Stanley Cup this year. We're building for the future still right now, but the pieces might be here. So unless you feel really passionately about someone that's available at the trade deadline, Figure out what you have, and then maybe in a, in a year or two, you might be talking about, okay, let's deal some of these pieces to bring in some of the, the pieces we need to fill the holes on our NHL roster. That could help with value from our end too, right? Like it, there's some guys yeah. that, you know, if if they if, if you don't know the value, the team you're trading them with certainly doesn't either, right? So like that's another, that that yeah, great point. Like obviously mm-hmm. that, that could help um, you know, raise the value you're giving up as well. So for sure. Yeah, I think one of the good points of that is someone like Marco Casper, who had a slow start to the season and is now absolutely on fire. It takes him a little bit to get used to the game. And I think it goes back to Chris's question, like, when do we see Carter Mazur in a Red Wings jersey? And he's another guy that do you know the extent of what Carter Mazur can do? And we saw him. I mean, he was our dark horse, I think, at the beginning of the season that if he would have had a good enough camp and a good enough preseason that I think he might have been able to sneak his way onto the team because his development is more suited for a bottom six role. Not that that's his ceiling, but his style of game is grit in your face, piss you off style hockey. But at the end of the day, could be a a top six player, but could develop in a bottom six role. And and Mazur's been doing very well with the Griffins. And he's another one where, do you know what you have at this point in a Carter Mazur? Do you know what you have this point? I mean, you got Nate Danielson, who just got traded to Portland. He's another one who's going to have to come up through the system. Iserman's done so well. And there are people, again, that are complaining about Iserman's draft and where's all the picks and how come they're not playing for the team. When you don't get lottery picks, those guys take a, a, a while to develop. And the worst way to develop your prospects is to throw them directly into the NHL yes. and tell them to have at it. And if you look at it and you could kind of see it, and it's not a knock to Michael Rasmussen, but he probably should have went back to junior that first year and just dominated at a junior level before coming up. Because when you put him in that such a high pressure, uh, high pressure situation from playing with 16, 17, 18 year olds to playing against men, it's, it's a gigantic jump. So it, it's more of a be patient, like Axel Sandin Palika, you might not see him in Grand Rapids next year. You might, he might take a, another year to come over to North America. It's patience with the prospects. We will see them eventually. The ones we've identified as, and I mean, we're smart enough to say that's a good prospect. They'll make it eventually. Uh, it's just, it's not going to be right now. And, and it's exciting because they're so good and it's the future of the team. But what they're trying to do now is, Iserman is, he built a dynasty in Tampa. He's trying to do the same thing in Detroit. And it takes time. It takes patience. It takes a rolling cap. It takes a lot of prospects. And he set that up going forward. Um, anything else you guys have on the trade deadline? Uh, what you'd like to see happen? Any crazy moves? How we can fleece Ottawa again and make them more sad? No, I think Let's overall. Let's just beat them on Wednesday. Well, we yes, exactly. There we go. Well, also, Today. it'd be a fun little caveat because I think if you beat, I think Tampa Bay is done playing, right? For uh, They're in their all-star break. break now. If you beat Ottawa, I I think you technically take third place in the division on a tiebreaker going into the all-star break. That'd be a nice, doesn't mean anything, but it would make you feel good. And the traders need something to make them feel good after what happened on Sunday. We don't, we don't, we're not going to name it, but after what happened on Sunday, it'd be nice. It'd be nice. Brian, I think you've brought it up eight times. So if you want to talk about it, it, we can, dude. No, we have not. I have not brought it up eight times. I brought it up once. Yeah. I brought it up. Scotty's always looking to make me look bad on our shows. He, He frequently succeeds, though. So. so, yeah, the Red Wings, if they do beat the Ottawa Senators, they will have 50 games played, same as Tampa. We right now have a game in hand on them. We will each have 59 points. Uh, same number of regulation wins. 
Uh, same number of regulation losses and same number of overtime losses. We will be absolutely That's tied crazy. with them. But don't we um, have the head-to-head because we've beaten them twice this season? Uh, we would get the head-to-head, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that would be that would be the tiebreaker right there. But we would leapfrog the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, who will at that point have three games in hand on us. But yeah. they're, having, they're riding the struggle bus uh, back and forth right now. So I want to thank you guys for hopping on to do this with me. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I like to get a kind of a meeting of the minds a couple times a season just to make sure everyone's on the same page uh, and that we throw the ideas off each other. And it's always great to talk to you guys. And uh, we go back and forth online. We see each other when we can. But it's it's good to get us all in the same Zoom room to uh, to break stuff down. Um, I want to give you guys a chance to shout out uh, your socials, what you got going on. We're going to start with you, Daniela. All right. Socials. At Daniela Bruce underscore because someone still has Daniela Bruce without the underscore and I cannot hunt them down. Trust me, I keep trying. No, but out Daniela Bruce underscore and Red and White Authority coming out this week. We're actually gonna have Emily Kaplan joining us from ESPN to very nice little national perspective. Yeah. Um, she's excellent. She's gonna have some great stuff for us. So that'll be the next podcast. Love Emily Kaplan, by the way. She's fantastic. Scotty and I frequently talk whenever there's an ESPN broadcast of the Wings game. We frequently talk that she's probably our favorite person that they have on their broadcast. A hundred percent. She's so great. Which is why she's I made so this good. shirt. Um, national <laughs> announcers versus Detroit hockey because most of them hate us. But Emily is fantastic. Emily's a dog. I didn't even yes, notice sir. that. I didn't even read your shirt until right now. Do, <laughs> should we take a couple minutes to talk about that uh, Panthers Red Wings broadcast from a couple of weeks ago where uh, Paul Biasina didn't want to give the Red Wings any props? Or we No, you can shout out your socials though, Brian. That's cool. <laughs> It's uh, <laughs> the wings. What's your socials, Brian? <laughs> at LO underscore Red Wings is our uh, Twitter account. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram as well. My personal Twitter account is at Brian Fisher WWJ because I work at WWJ News Radio 950. Scotty, what's yours? Uh, mine is at Bentley Scotty. I'm, uh, it took me a while to think of that. Um, <laughs> that's my personal. That's the Red Wings. And then I do Locked on Tigers as well. Um, yeah, Cold Keith extension. Fun. Pitchers and catchers right around the corner. Super, super pumped. So, yeah, it should be a fun year for that as well. And then I write for the news. You can check out all that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So we could use the hockey meme on the Tigers now. What? They signed this guy to this contract without playing a single game in the MLB. Right. (laughs) Dude, well, it's it's we we don't have to like uh, I I will go forever. So please cut me off. But like they (laughs) they will like this is the first time the Tigers have done that. Right. Like they. That's uncharted territory for them. That's a popular thing in a lot of other sports. First time the Tigers have really, really done that. So we'll see. Do you have faith in Colt Keith? Yeah, he's the man. Lock up your future stars, baby. He's so good, dude. I'm so pumped. (laughs) You can find me online at Bringing the Wing. You find the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. We give a shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network for hosting us and spreading us around. Vintage Detroit, which is the only place you should get your Detroit jerseys from and worked on. Uh, You can find all of us on YouTube in some format. Uh, Daniela's on all the Red Wings stuff. Locked on guys are on YouTube. We're on YouTube. Go find our stuff. Sub, uh, like our videos, turn on the notifications. Whenever stuff goes live, you will get notified. You can check out our merch on redbubble.com by searching the grind line. And I got an email today. Uh, I think we're going to be doing some shirts with vintage Detroit. So we'll see about that. They have contacted me for t-shirts. Nice. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but thank you guys again for coming on and spending some time with me. It's thank been you. awesome. And we're going to have to do it again. Uh, we'll do a season wrap up at the end of the year. Um, it was a blast. But man. that's going to do it for us tonight. So you stay classy. Hockey Town.